Alright, so before we get into this one, I just want to let you know that we recorded this quite some time ago, and I just hadn't got around to editing it. Actually, the truth be told is I thought I had put this out like a really long time ago until uh, it was brought to my attention that, uh, Gabe, you never put that one out. So here we are now, almost a year later, uh, me and Ryan, who is now, of course, a part of, um, you know, keeping it real and a big part of our podcasting uh, troupe, whatever you want to call it, um... Uh, th- this was just a lot of fun to sit down with him and, you know, talk about this. And this was really our first time podcasting together outside of me interviewing him for the first time. So uh, a little bit of this information is dated. I do apologize for that, but uh, I hope you enjoy it nonetheless, and I will talk to you soon. So enjoy the podcast. Welcome all fellow wannabes. Welcome to the show. You are listening to the wannabe critic podcast. I am one of your hosts, Gabriel Fast. This is the second live show I've done today, and I'm joined by one Ryan Dalton, the author. Hey. How's it going, man? I'm great. How are you? I- I'm doing well. I-, I got my G Fuel in me. You know, I don't know if you're familiar with G Fuel, what it does to you, but you go from literally like a sloth to like you can do anything in the whole entire world like it's it's the greatest invention since the since the dawn of mankind pretty much awesome so I'm, I'm raring to go but um ryan thank you so much for sitting down for those of you who don't know ryan is an established author with uh several works out the time shift trilogy he was on the podcast not too long ago we did an interview um, he's a friend of mine. Uh, he's a, he's a very cool friend to have because you know he's he's doing something creative and that he loves for a living and that's that's always some of the best drives that you can have in your life so i really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show ryan oh man i'm happy to do it any any chance to geek out i'm all for it (laughs) yeah no i definitely i definitely uh, agree with that and what better thing to geek out over than video games and here we are we're here talking about video games um Mm -hmm. i think the last time you were on the show we talked about a little game called control that you were playing and i remember you know, whenever the Alan Wake expansion for Control dropped, I, I guess, what is it, yesterday at this point? I don't know who who's played it or mm-hmm. what. Um, no spoilers because we have actually not, neither one of us have actually finished Control. But right. We have, yeah, we have played Alan Wake. And, and to me, I was, I was really excited um, whenever Control came out because I was a huge Alan Wake fan, you know, back in the day. I talk about all the time. The Xbox 360 was like my gateway to gaming you know what i mean to really like getting in touch with those deeper stories and things like that and and alan wake was very instrumental in that and uh i definitely have some 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 hot takes about it for sure but um i think i was i was really excited to see control come out a, a year ago i guess today i think um as i think i just saw remedy tweet that out uh it definitely had a similar feel to it. You know what I mean? And it's nice to know now that the universes have been connected. They are part of, they are kind of in one and the same. And that's, that's really exciting. But this was your first time playing Alan Wake period, right? Yeah. You gave me the homework. You know, there was, it kind of, I don't know why it was not on my radar at all. 10 years ago when it came out, I was familiar with the name of it, but um, it's one of those that, that, um, yeah, I guess just never came into my head as something to play. I, I don't know. And so I was really glad that 
uh, to, you know, to have something to go back to and try it out, especially when you said it was pretty story heavy. And um, so, yeah, it was fun to do it. Yeah. And I think the thing about this one and when, why you instantly came to mind was, you know, the fact that Alan Wake is a writer, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's an author and kind of the, the stigmas and the, you know, kind of what we think of in our mind of, Oh, this guy's a writer, you know, like that is, the, that is like personified with Alan Wake. I think the stigma is very much attached to him. So I'm, I'm curious to know, you know, once we get into the review a little bit heavier, like the things that you're like, okay, this is, this isn't how it is. You know what I mean? Um, like this is, this is, this is absurd. <laughs> well, and I will say right away, there are some things I could say that about, but there are some things that I could say, yeah, you got, you got that pretty on the nose and it, and you know, it may depend on the, the particular author, but yeah, I'll be happy to you know, share whatever thoughts I had. Okay. Well, and you know, it, you are, not only are you older than me, you have, you know, you inherently have more life experience than I do, but you're a much more learned individual than I am because, you know, you write for a living. Um, in your own words, what would you describe Alan Wake as? Um, boy, uh, the first word that came to my mind was trippy. <laughs> I know, I know that's not a very learned word. <laughs> Um, but, um, you know, I, have seen it described as a horror game. I don't think I would call it a horror game. Um, that may be just because most horror genre things are not my thing at all. Um, and so it's hard for me to identify with. Um, I, I think the, like the twilight zone comparison is, is pretty apt. Of course, that's not me coming up with that. The game itself is pretty self-aware of that. Um, it's interesting to me, look, playing it now with the context of 10 years later knowing, okay, now there's another game that has said it's in the same universe. So you can look back at Alan Wake and know def- pretty definitively, okay, it's not about just some guy who loses his mind in a cabin, um, which is interesting. It, it, I, I tried as I was playing it to think, okay, how would I feel about this 10 years ago? If I was playing it in a total vacuum, knew nothing else about it. Um, and yeah, I think the game does a good job of asking the questions of, okay, is this guy just crazy? Is there actually more stuff going on? I will say, I think the ending of the last chapter would have really, really upset me <laughs> if it was 10 years ago. <laughs> um, but uh, that, that's a long rambly way of, of, I guess, sharing my, my initial impressions of it. Yeah, no, that's, 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 that's spot on. And you know, me as a, by this point, God, 10 years ago, is that how long it's been for real? Mm-hmm. I guess that would be about right, but because I played it later in its in its life cycle, I remember getting, uh, you know, I think back in the day on Xbox 360, uh, there would be deals with gold or something like that. Like you'd have games with gold every single, you know, month basically. But I think they would always have special sales if you were an Xbox Live yeah. Gold member. And I think this one ended up being on sale for ten dollars. And I was always on the lookout because I was you know, 18 at the time, 17, 18. And I was always on the lookout for budget games and I was really trying to get more into it. And I remember picking that up and thinking to myself, this is the best freaking $10 I've ever spent in my entire life. Um, and it was an absolute joy for me to come back to it. However many years later, you know, I mean, I haven't played it since then. So 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. Yeah. So it's been six years since I played the game and it was always a really cool, thing to come back it was it was a cool thing to come back to because there was i ended up getting like a hundred extra gamer score out of it that i didn't get (laughs) before and that made me feel good i was like man i didn't didn't know i could get any more out of this you know and there's still more for me to get in the dlc and of course we're just sticking to the core game but i think you you kind of nailed it and that 
it's very self-aware of what it is. It's, it's this weird marriage between, you know, Stephen King, you know, Stephen, Stephen King as a person and uh, the Twilight Zone. Uh, I think, you know, the whole Night Springs bit um, really kind of plays into that as well. You know, the whole, that he was the writer of that TV show. And I liked how they were totally yeah. nodding to the Twilight Zone. Yeah, even the narrator sounds a lot like Rod Serling and and everything. So it, it it's very aware of its influences. Yeah, totally. And I and I love that it did that did that. And we have Plastic Hearts podcast in the chat saying Alan Wake is high on my backlog. I need to play this game, especially after loving Control so very much. Fonz, what are you doing, bro? You need to get on that and play it immediately before you go any deeper into Control. But thank you for uh, thank you for commenting. We definitely appreciate that. I would um, recommend that, yeah, actually, like pause and play and, and play Ellen Wake first if that if that's your thing, because I think at that point, whatever. I'm just guessing because I haven't played the expansion, but I'm guessing that whatever this new like Ellen Wake DLC is going to have a lot more meaning if you know all the stuff that happened in the previous game. Yeah, and I would honestly say too, you know, if you can play play all of the Alan Wake content that is out there, play Alan Wake, play the expansions. And I would say this to you too, Ryan, do not go back into control and start up that Alan Wake DLC after you beat control without playing uh, the, I think it's called the, 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 the lighthouse, the lighthouse, the writer or two. Yeah. Yeah. So there's two DLC packs and then Alan Wake's American nightmare definitely dives deeper into the lore, even though it is, is a little more arcadey experience and full disclosure, we will be spoiling the crap out of this game. So, you know, it's 10 years old. Yeah. It's 10 years old. <laughs> if you're not down, you know, this is, you've, you've had your warning. I appreciate you contributing to the chat, but if you don't want to be spoiled, I mean, I would, I don't know. I would argue that uh, no, we're definitely spoiling it. I was going to say that the spoilers may not make sense, but I don't know. It's, Some it's, of the things that I was especially one in particular that I want to talk about that will spoil a, a key part of the end. Yeah, 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 totally. And and you kind of touched on it earlier about is this guy losing? Is this guy losing his mind? Is this whatever? Yada yada yada. I do think in a weird way, and of course I'm very uneducated as to what the hiss actually is because I haven't finished Control, but mm-hmm. I think you know whatever supernatural ability the hiss ends up having if it makes your truest fears come to life or it can make some sort of weird interdimensional thing come to reality, then you could even argue that if Alan is losing his mind, then all those things kind of are a conglomerate of that. And like his, his worst fears are coming to life. So, you know, he, the game talks about him kind of being down in the dumps and, you know, uh, alluding to not really being able to write anything and, and things like that. And if he is losing his mind in a different way, then it would make sense in a way that if the, you know, kind of bringing your worst fears to life type thing. And I, I think even though we know that the hiss is, is an actual, you know, an actual plot device, an actual catalyst to the story. Um, I still think that Alan Wake is, is good standalone, even without bringing it into the control universe. And I think you can still have that take should you decide to separate it from it, but that, that might just be me. Um, what do you, you know? Think? I think, I think the game presents you enough that by the end of it, at least for me, I think even you're right without control by the end of it, I would have concluded this is a real thing that's happening and and not just him going crazy. Cause they give you, and it's not like they outright say that, but there's enough that goes on that I, I feel like it, it's subtly telling you, look, this isn't just him losing his mind in a cabin. This, there's something actually happening here. And part of it's in his mind, but part of it's right. Um, but there is an actual force out there that, that is doing this stuff. 
Yes, totally. And I think you hit the nail on the head. It's a nice mixture of both. It's a thing of, yes, maybe he does have some mental, I mean, to write that kind of content, I think you'd have to be in a pretty dark place inherently. Um, So having that as a by, you know, that as a byproduct of the physical aspect coming into it, you have just basically that's what Alan Wake is. Um, And and I, I, I love it. I absolutely love this game but it's not perfect but before we get any farther into this review ladies and gentlemen if you didn't know already you are listening to the wannabe critic podcast this is your your weekly stop or whenever stop now at this point we record god knows how many shows and who knows how many shows are going to be streaming at this point um do a lot of different things here uh, if you want to, you can head over to wannabecritic.com to see all the different things we got going on. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us at the Wannabe Critic on all social media platforms. Spoiler alert, I run everything. Uh, we would definitely love to hear from you. But also, really quickly, popcultusa.com sent me this dope natural light hat. I love natural light. It's, it's refreshing on a hot summer day. It's refreshing whenever. So I highly suggest you go to popcultusa.com. Use the code, the underscore, wannabecritic to get yourself 30% off some sweet officially licensed swag had to get all that stuff out of the way ryan i definitely apologize but i hey, know it's cool man yeah i'm excited I, I think i've gotten the spiel down you know what i mean like a few months ago i was like uh i had like a script but i started saying it so often that now it's just like in the back of my it just rolls off the tongue a little bit you know different mm-hmm. variations of it so you remind that reminds me of, of it's not the same thing but it just reminds me of a story that made me laugh i read it years ago someone posted they said they um they were in school they were working at mcdonald's any every waking moment that they weren't at school you know they were just i guess like right out of high school and they had been working so much that one evening they're at home with their family and they're sitting down to dinner and it's their turn to say a prayer and they like bow their head and without <laughs> thinking about it say welcome to mcdonald's <laughs> take your order <laughs> 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 Oh my God. That's amazing. I, and I totally could see, I w- we went to Taco Bell and this is just a sidebar really fast. We went to Taco Bell last night, me and my wife, we're, we're night owls. We come alive at night. You know what I mean? Um, that's why whenever uh, the Fonz from Plastic Carts podcast hit, hit me up and you know, I hit him up and I said, Hey, can we do a podcast? You know, I'm two hours ahead of, he, of him, you know, so we're going to start the podcast at 8 PM central time, but we get, we get hungry. So we went out and me and my wife, we got Taco Bell and this guy, you could tell he was just like a finely tuned machine at this point like he's like taking orders giving us our stuff and he was just like in the zone it was crazy watching him work and i'm like man how regimented would you have to be to be good at that job it just blows me away i just i just wanted mm-hmm. to note that really fast but yeah there's definitely been times where uh i'll be doing a youtube video because i have a youtube channel uh where i review you know stuff by myself and i'll find myself giving the podcast spiel more you know because i do that more and i'm like what am i doing I just feel like a freaking idiot, but I digress. <laughs> <laughs> I digress. Um, so what we do, what we like to do here on the Wannabe Critic podcast is we like to go around the room, so to speak, and kind of just say outwardly, you know, do we like this thing? Yes or no? Um, so I'm going to throw it to you really fast. Do you like Alan Wake? Yes. Um, boy. Um, <laughs> it's a hard one. <laughs> Yes. The ultimate answer is yes. Excuse me. Um, With some caveats. And the major caveat is just personal taste. It's not even a criticism of of the game itself. Um, I normally don't like scary games. (laughs) Um, And it's because it's like, and I come by this naturally through my family and everything. We all tend to be a little bit 
over-adrenalized anyway. It's kind of like we, we, we are a little bit twitchy <laughs> and it's almost like the fight or flight is, is like a little bit more on edge than normal. Um, and so for me, the actual experience of, of playing through every chapter was really stressful um, and like really exhausting because I was like on high alert the entire time, which right. on the one hand, I didn't particularly enjoy, but on the other is a huge testament to how well made the game is because it was very immersive. It was scary. The sound design is incredible because that sound is perfect for like evoking the exact amount of dread um, that you're, that you're, I'm sure they want you to feel at the same time. It wasn't like um, overly dark. It wasn't gory or bloody, which I'm not into at all. Um, so there's a, there is a lot to, to compliment about it. It's the, parts that I didn't engage with just comes from personal, personal preference. Um, but I liked the story. Um, I, there's a couple things at the end that, um, I questioned story-wise, but again, that may be made clear later on. Um, uh, but overall, yes, I would say, yes, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I think I have to echo pretty much the exact same sentiment as you. And I would argue that, you know, before this game, I would, I would never would have touched Resident Evil, never would have touched any, any really horror game. And I don't think that this is, when you think of horror, you do think you automatically, I think, go to, you know, Resident Evil or survival horror yeah. at least. You think you think about that type of stuff, and you know, even playing on normal, I, you know, I've gotten accustomed to playing games on harder difficulties at this point. Even on normal, like trying to get specific achievements where you have to kind of play it as a survival game. Um, there were times where I was like, okay, I could totally see if you're playing on hard or nightmare mode, you're going to have, there's going to be 20 guys and you're going to have three bullets, you know? And uh -huh. I feel there were situations even then I was like, I don't have enough ammo to kill all these guys. So I got to run. And I love how the game makes you do that. And it does. Uh, did, you play with, did, you play with, did you play with headphones by chance? Uh, no, I, I didn't. Um, I'm sure that would have been even more <laughs> immersive. So I'm probably, it's probably a good thing I didn't. Um, but I do remember there was once I, I noticed before I actually had to use it, like, oh, when you when you click the run button, he does this weird twitchy duck. Uh, yeah. What's up with that? And then when I finally realized, oh, that's so that one of these guys doesn't chop his head off with an axe or something. Yeah, uh, exactly. if, if he's trying to attack from behind him, I thought that's, uh, I thought, oh, that's what that's for. So that was cool. Uh, I do think... I'm not sure whether I admire this or hate it um, that, you know, in the early part of the game, it warns you a lot more like when the bad guys are literally coming out of the bushes and the trees to come get yeah. you. But the farther you go along the game, the less it warns you totally. and the dirtier it plays with you <laughs> because yes. there were, I cannot count the amount of times I was about to like purge, purge the darkness out of one of those guys mm -hmm. when someone else came from behind and whacked me on the head with something. Yep. And it was perfectly time where if I had, had another split second and it must've happened 50 times. Oh, so, totally. and, and whereas before the game would have done that and it would have warned me, Hey, this guy's behind you. So definitely as the game goes on, it, it piles on. Um, and I think if you were less keyed up than I was, that would probably be a fun, more challenging element. I found it very infuriating, <laughs> but again, that's just a, that's just a personal preference. It's not an actual knock on the game itself. Yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. I don't want to piggyback off that. I want to give a shout out to assemble 2020 in the chat. Thank you for the shout out on, uh, on Twitter assemble. We definitely appreciate that. Thank you for joining us for the stream. Um, yeah, the, the controls for me, it, it adds the right amount of, psychological horror thriller depth you know the, mm -hmm. the the controls definitely do that from him 
never being able to upgrade his sprinting. His, his sprinting is always pretty much the same throughout the entire game. You can't. He's he, just a guy. He's just a and, guy. Right. And there's and no of, shortcuts about getting down a hill or something. If you do it wrong, you're dead or you break a leg or something. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. And it's, it, it does work against itself a little bit more. And I will say the charm of, of that, that intensity is so it doesn't wear off the first time you, the first time you play the game with headphones. I remember playing. Uh, you, you, this is a weird comparison to make, but you know how like when you would play Bioshock and like the first time you go to Rapture and like you're going through the yeah. levels, you know, and you're just like your headphones, you're sweating so hard inside your headphones. You're like, <laughs> oh my freaking god, what's about to happen? That's exactly how this game makes you feel when you play headphones. Anytime the the storm and the sty the sky starts getting crazy and all that stuff. It's really like, oh my God, something is about to happen. I know something bad is about to happen to Alan. Like, well, I gotta, you know, gotta get yeah. to it. And it gets, it gets, it does such a good job of getting your heart pumping. It did a better job ten years ago. It did a better job then than it does now. And having played it the second time, I played it on normal, by the way. Um, Me too. I, uh, I'm no hero. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah, not for this game this time. You know, I just like just get through it for a review and enjoy it. Um, it where it loses its charm uh, to a decade later, and well, and here's what, what I'll say: I do think, as well designed as so much of it is, it does get repetitive because essentially the game has a few tricks and a few things for regular gameplay, and you pretty much go through all those same things for every chapter. It's the it's just the things escalate a little bit. Maybe you upgrade to. Huh, it's it's funny. I, I was thrilled when I upgraded from a flashlight to a lantern. <laughs> like you, that yeah. was uh, that was fun. Uh, the mag. But I, I, I and again, this may just be that I don't care for being that nervous when I'm playing a game. But I did feel like in every chapter there were long stretches of just trying to make it through the bushes while you're being ambushed. And I think there could have been because the story progressed. I think the game could have progressed in the things that it asked you to do. Um, so I, I, I think what it does, it does well. It just could have used some more variety. Yeah, I think the formulaic, it's like, okay, we're running, th literally, you want to sum up Alan Wake, and, I, and this is, I think, the biggest criticism the game will probably get, you know, because people will, in, will inevitably be going back to this game after AWE comes out. I already know what's going to happen if they haven't already. Um, and it, honestly, I will say this before I, before I say even though the game is the game is basically running through the woods the entire time. That's what it is. Trying not to die. Trying not to die. That's what you're doing. <laughs> you're running through the woods through every single chapter or running through something, you know, and there's, there's bits, there's safe houses where you're, you know, there's dialogue checks and stuff like that. But for the vast majority of the game, you are running and trying to avoid these guys and just trying to mm -hmm. make your way through and, and pressing forward. You got to get to Alice, yada, yada, yada. Um, if they remaster this game, you know, controls on ps4 at this point if there is a remaster incoming i will buy it day one and replay it because i absolutely love the tone that the game sets i think it does kind of like what you're saying it does a really good job of execution and what it's trying to do but it could have used a little more variety in design i think uh as far mm -hmm. as just trying to get from point a to point b because you're on edge the entire time and you know something's going to happen and two or three you know halfway through the game you're, the game's getting you used to that. So by the end of the game, you still have those moments of intensity and like, oh, my, my heart's rushing and stuff like this. But it, it kind of, it goes from being, I wonder what's about to happen to, oh, it's an action game now at this point. And, and some right. uh, with a little more, you know, in, intensity to it. It's a little more, it's like, okay, I know what to expect. But it doesn't, 
there are times, you know, whenever you like what you're saying, you're trying to drain the darkness out of, out of a guy with, with the light. And then just out of nowhere, you get blindsided. There were so many, there were moments where I'd be like, oh crap, I heard something coming out of the right side of my headphones. And I'm like, oh crap, hit LB. I'm like, LB, 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 you know, and sometimes, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. You know, if you're like frantically trying to press LB and there's mm-hmm. multiple guys around, you might miss one of them, but there's mm-hmm. probably a couple attacks that are going to be followed up, uh, you know, after that. So it's kind of a, a false safety in some ways with that, with that dodge mechanic. And I have played on Nightmare before. I never beaten the game on Nightmare, but it's even worse because you take more damage, you know, as you're playing the game, doing whatever. And there's a couple so, of guys, a few guys in there, probably just a handful towards the end, where if they hit you twice, you're dead. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, and yeah so there were a couple points like that that were a little frustrating there was one moment i think in chapter five or six that looking back i thought okay that was if you were just watching that that would be funny um i was it was at a moment where you know usually when you're you know you're in danger of getting attacked there's at least a slight like roar and a little bit of a creepy sound in the background but when there's nothing you kind of learn to relax because it's like if it's dead quiet you're usually okay um, but there was this one moment I was already bent over looking in one of the, those crates, you know, to get some, uh, just to replenish. Yeah. And I heard there was no sound. So I, I was, I was thinking I was safe. And then I heard footsteps off to the right. And then I saw just legs of someone standing there. And then when I looked up, there was a, a, a bad guy. <laughs> and as soon as I looked up, he hit me in the head, <laughs> but there was no warning except hearing his footsteps. And it's like, he waited for me to look at him before he attacked. <laughs> it was one of those, it was like, Oh, Hey, boom. Yeah. Um, so even I had to laugh at, <laughs> at that point. And fortunately he wasn't that strong. So it, it wasn't like a, I didn't feel like it was a cheap shot. It was more just kind of ironic, funny. Yeah, because it's it's done such a good job of warning you that people are coming, you know, like you know, you know keep on keep your head on a swivel. And I I think that might be the biggest thing that could have made this game better back in the day cuz you know, in my and all my 18-year-old glory back in the day, I was like, "Oh my god, this game's just as good as The Last of Us." Like, you know, and it's not. It's not even close. Um and I don't know if you played The Last of Us, but you know, I think that was I'm familiar with it. I didn't play it, but I I'm, yeah, I'm like familiar for, enough for whatever reason in my mind, it was one of those things where it was like, oh, this is just as good. And it's not because every single enemy is exactly the same. You except there's a heavy version of it and a, uh, you know, just like a, a standard grunt version of the same enemy. It's the same way to kill it. There's no, there's not really any variation other than like whenever the darkness would take hold of like the, the tractors and, you know, the, the big machinery and stuff like that. But even then, like, that wasn't enough variation for me to be like, oh, my God, the combat in this game is just top-notch. It's just kind of, it's just kind of there. And I think yeah. it, 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 it serves its purpose, but how awesome would it have been to have enemies, like what you're talking about? You think you're safe. Like, you're, you think you're, you're good. You're, like, going through trying to replenish, and, like, there's, like, a stalker guy that's silent. And you're like, oh, crap. You know, and, like, just kind of like a, a warning. You know, you have, like, you know someone's there, but you don't know you know, I just feel like more variation in, in uh, enemy design could have potentially, which, and you know, people love Alan Wake, but I think it could have even made it even better than it is now. Yeah, it's sort of, it, it's the irony of a, a clever mechanic almost being its own kind of prison because it's a cool idea to say, okay, your main weapon is a flashlight. 
yeah. uh, and that before you can even take these guys out, you've got to suck the darkness out of them. But the the trouble with something that clever is that you have to do it every time. Um, because if you didn't have to do it every time, you would have to come up with a reason that you don't have to do it every time. Um, whereas the whole thrust of the story is, is based on this darkness infecting all the people that are coming after you. So you literally have to do the same process with every single bad guy. So it, which kind of takes out any chances also of more creative problem solving with what to do with these guys. And so, yeah, even going through some zones where there were other threats aside from those guys, uh, would have been, would have been a nice break because it would give you something to think about some, some, something else to try to figure out aside from I have to survive other iterations of the same type of bad guy. Totally. Yeah. And I think they did try, you know, like with incorporating the flares and, you know, the flare gun and stuff like that, but you know, giving more, you know what I mean? More, they never, and, and I feel like, you know, in American nightmare, they do kind of expand more and they innovate more with the, with the enemy design. So I wish I could have had the smoothness of American Nightmare inside of Alan Wake the first time. Um, Assemble2020 asks a good question in chat. He says, I never played a lot of Alan Wake. What feature or mechanic of the game really made you come, by, really made you come back aside from the story? Now, that's a really good question because to me, the only reason to play this game is the atmosphere that it sets because of the story. And Yeah, if it weren't for the story, I wouldn't have finished it, honestly. Um, and that's not to say any by any means that it's a bad game. It's just... Um, it's not my taste to be afraid for 15 hours, but, yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, totally. but the story and, kept me coming back. Right. Yeah. And I, I think the, you kind of touched on the flashlight mechanic, that that is a really cool, the, the whole, the whole, you know, light versus dark, good versus evil. It's a very simple picture to paint, you know, and I think that's what made it so cool 10 years ago was, kind of playing with the internal darkness or the inner demons, so to speak, that we all have with inside us that we kind of have to come to grips with and kind of personifying that in this game. That's what made it really cool back then. And the the best weapon you would have is the light because they always say, yeah. go for the light. I love that. Um, and I like the idea that's slowly introduced of, okay, there's this, there's this being that it, 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 it it relies on essentially artists and artistic energy in order to kind of release it from its bonds. And then it piggybacks on their creative energy to slowly build its own strength. Um, and I thought that was interesting. Like um, uh, this creature of darkness, knowing that it has to wield creatures of cre of creation, uh, like, like that it has to kind of take over what they're able to do in order for its power to actually be able to manifest. And I, th I thought that was uh, interesting. Yeah, it's 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 almost it's one of those things too where I wish Xbox would have explored this IP way more back in the day um and kept some, kept it more relevant and Remedy would have you know been worked I wish there was more push for Alan Wake to be worked on and who knows how long it's been in development whatever but I want it to be more present then uh so to answer your question assemble I think there, there isn't any special feature other than you're not, you're not, I don't think you're going to play anything like Alan Wake. I don't think there is anything out there that, that I've played. Um, yeah, I, I agree. It's definitely, it's, it's unique among the games I've played for sure. Um, and I think that, I, I think that over probably the last decade, video games have been growing into one of the new frontiers of very interesting storytelling. Um, and I, I can't imagine that this game wasn't, I, I wasn't pretty groundbreaking for its day. I don't think there were a lot of games that were trying to be this, this immersive in this way. 
Yeah. Um, totally. So you could almost see this as a precursor to some of the more sophisticated storytelling, so like story-based games that we're seeing come around now. Yeah, I mean, this game to me, this is Sony level of delivery. Whenever you think about the third person over the shoulder, you know, uh, narrative experience, that is very much what this is. And I think that's mm -hmm. what made it, to me, such an underappreciated heavy hitter back in the day. Everyone's wanting to play Halo and do all this other stuff and play online. And the lobby wasn't really there for the single player experience as it felt like 10 years ago. Um, mm -hmm. They kind of seemed to fly under the radar. It's like, well, if you want a single player, if you want a single player game, go buy a PlayStation. Um, and Alan Wake just kind of, it has a very much a cult following, I think. Uh, but the, the game, you know, and, and to just, just so you know, assemble, we're our, heavily spoiling this game so if you you know if you if you're not worried about spoilers you know that just just a just a fair warning just so you know um the game is unique like what you said it's it's worth playing it's one of those ones where it's like oh my god you need to play it just so you can talk about it like it's a water cooler game in my opinion mm -hmm. i mean call me crazy the theories about what certain things mean and yes uh, and all of that yeah that's fun yeah, exploring exploring all of, and especially, I mean, 10 years ago, if could, the conversations that were ha being had on the internet, like, well, what does this mean? Like, literally, like, the, the final lines of the game that are uttered, that blew my mind back in the day, you know, and I think... If, if just, sorry, I interrupted. Go ahead. No, go, no, please. You, you can interrupt me anytime you want. Right? <laughs> Don't you well, worry. I was thinking, but because, you know, there's, there's so much ability now to, like, to download things, and we have games that are coming out, in chapters this if it had been made today i think would have been a perfect one of those games and it could have built a lot of buzz by coming out like one chapter every three months and then people discuss the next chapter and, it, and it's like it's kind of like like what they have found with like shows that are binge watched of course can build a, t a huge following and discussion but they've also found that now some of these shows that only come out once every so often, like the mandalorian it ends up increasing like the 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 buzz and the conversation because people get a chance between episodes to talk about it and debate and uh, and things. And so, if this game, I think we're coming at out now. If you released the six chapters with in increments, you could really have something cool that would build buzz and people would really talk about. Okay, well, what does this mean? And what are they going to show in the next chapter? And um, that would have been really cool. Yeah, especially since the the whole you know the game and I, this is kind of the game is built around like an episodic way of telling the story. And it's almost like a season of television, you know, at yep. each, at the end of each chapter, you have a different song, uh, you know, kind of closing out that thing. And, and this time I listened to every song at the end, I'd get up, go, go pee, you know, grab a snack, whatever, and then come back to the credits. So long, I go do something on a computer. That was such a cool experience to be able to do that because it really felt, it really made me feel like I had been a part of something. And I think that's why this game is special is you really feel connected to this experience um, just because of the, the, I don't want to say the, the liberties they take with, with the medium, but just their take on it. It is, it is a really cool thing. And it is interesting how the follow-up to Alan Wake, which was a, a game called quantum break, they released the game in uh, episodes the same way i believe like you basically correct me if i'm wrong chat if, if you're if any of you know i feel like the game like evolved with the choices that you made and like you would have different um 
different outcomes for at the end of each chapter, depending on the things that you would do. And I feel like they released it like in parts, kind of like, kind of like what you're talking about. But again, I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, so I, I think that that style of kind of releasing things episodic would definitely benefit from today's standards because there's been lots of games that it's been the same thing. Like episode one would be six, $7 of a telltale game or whatever and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So um, kind of moving away from the gameplay aspect of, of the game and kind of really moving into more of like, I, I want to say like personal aspects of, of what you experience. Cause as we said before, for those of you who just joined um, you're an author, you're a writer. So I want you to talk about the things first of all, and, and uh, you know, I might interject with the question or whatever, but what, what was right on par? Like what was right on point with, with the way they depicted Alan Wake as being this famous author? Um, well, I'm, I'm not Alan Wake famous. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, few people are Stephen King level. That's, that's for sure. Uh, there aren't any um, like, uh, what is it? Those uh, cardboard standees of me uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, in, uh, in places that people are stealing out of bookstores. Um, but uh, there were some things about, you know, like I thought it was interesting about how his uh, um, the things that he wrote in that blank week, uh, essentially folding back in on themselves. Um, and it could have easily been a, a trite thing to say, okay, well, he's a writer and, a lot of the stuff that's playing out is stuff that he wrote in this week that he doesn't remember. That's where, where I thought we're adding in this other creature who's essentially using that to try to build its own strength back up so it can, it can break free. Uh, I thought it was a really cool twist on that. Cause we've seen, you know, things like twilight zone things where, Oh, a writer writes something and it becomes real. I thought this was an interesting way to approach that. Um, as far as things that, that I, I related to, um, I mean, I've never had long periods like that where I didn't feel capable of uh, uh, of writing, where I didn't want to. You know, I have short periods where every writer needs to recharge. Um, but I do know writers that take a long time in between books, or who go like really hard for a stretch, and then they um, and then they just kind of run out of steam, and they'll take a a year or two or or, or more to get back to writing the next one. Um, it's not my personal experience because I, I tend to be fairly. Um, fairly consistent, uh, just in, in um, uh, keeping a routine. And then I take small breaks when I need to, but I know authors that have had that very same experience where they just, they need more time. Um, as far as um, <laughs> I did think there, there's one that's a little, to me, it feels tropey because I'm not at, um, I'm not at that level yet, but the point where he's very weary of being recognized. <laughs> um, but, to me that when I've run into people that, you know, enjoyed my work, I don't get tired of that. But at the same time, like I said, I'm not Stephen King. Maybe if I were Stephen King, it would be like, yeah, I know you liked him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let me guess. You enjoyed the book. Sorry. I would hope, I would hope that I never become jaded and that I always appreciate that because I'm friends with people who are fairly big, you know, the New York times bestsellers and everything. And, uh, and at least the ones that I'm friends with, they, they don't take that for granted. That's awesome. Um, and they that's, always that's like me. Yeah. And so that that's always the way I, I want to be, where you really like love and appreciate your readers. And, um, and uh, cor- of course, you know, some people just socially have more struggles. And so maybe they, maybe it's more a social anxiety type thing. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I did think the kind of thing where it's like the, uh, 
maybe when you're at a Stephen King level, you're your editor is that involved in your life <laughs> dude yes that was the biggest question i had i was like this cannot be real like i was like that's i want to ask ryan on the podcast like because how often do you even talk to your like just just do it yeah you do the whole thing and also so, before, really really fast i don't want to i don't want to discount funky dung's comment uh he says so what's your take on super mario brothers one why couldn't mario find the princess right off the bat didn't he have her cell number and whatnot uh funky dung i don't know that's that's a really good question um i ask myself that every single freaking time i play a freaking mario game uh please ryan take it away <laughs> um so yeah i mean I don't know anybody who like when they're on vacation, their editor comes out to where they're vacationing to, to see them. Um, like I said, maybe if you're Stephen King, you're, 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 you're that close relationship with your editor, but I, I don't know any writer who's, who has that relationship. Now every relationship is different. Some writers are a lot of, you know, every writer is different. Every, every relationship with an agent or an editor is different, but um, yeah, with, with with Barry, his editor, kind of like being his best friend and also being like uh, his his advocate as far as the advertising and everything. I, I mean, yeah, that that's that's a little bit of movie magic there. I've never seen a relationship like that, which isn't to say you can't be friendly with like my my current editor at Learner. I'm very friendly with my uh, my agent, Trish. Uh, I'm you know, we're we get along great. Um, but, you know, if if i take a writing break and go somewhere trish isn't going to show up in the town that i, I went to right if she doesn't <laughs> um, hear for a week so yeah that's the kind of thing where you just chalk it up to movie magic and it's it's a little bit of a just an element to it's you know it's fiction but you know you you can go along with it just knowing it's fiction well and it's funny because we need to you're saying all these things and to me i'm like okay we have to do a follow up to this podcast because there's literally a huge part of one of the DLCs where the relationship from Barry, like Barry very much is kind of like villainized um, and like is kind of at odds with Alan. Uh, and it's interesting how that relationship is set up in this game and then they go that route with Barry. So we definitely have to do a follow-up with, with, you know, the DLC American Nightmare and Control. It's going to be next year before we can get to it. But, you know, like some sort of follow-up is probably going to have to happen. Um, and I will say there, I, I have seen some relationships like that go, go south or go sour. Not personally, um, but I have seen where like relationships with an agent go badly and, the, and they part ways or where... Um, like the the relationship with an editor kind of goes sour and 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 you know they end up parting ways as well and um so i mean that can happen um i mean actually just recently there was a, a thing that played out i think on it started on facebook and then ended up playing out to, out on twitter there's a famous fantasy author who has had a very 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 long time uh, where uh people have been waiting for the last book in a trilogy and it hasn't come out and uh, recently, uh, the editor was kind of venting about it on Facebook, which is bad form, but um, but th th it kind of played out a little bit publicly where the the editor was, I think, frustrated and, and a little bit bitter that you know what was promised hasn't been delivered. I think in six years or something. Um, so uh, so things like that can happen. Yeah, and and it is it is kind of interesting to have you know that that perspective from you and and kind of have someone who's on the inside you know given given the details 
is that would you say that's the the most unbelievable thing as far as like the writer aspect goes or was there, was there anything significant that you noticed um just from your end um <laughs> well the um the writing on a typewriter thing is is a is a, you know very tropey is a very movie magic type thing um i think i know one writer who writes things on a typewriter <laughs> the rest of us are chained to our laptops um especially because now they're not just writing machines we also do a lot of our publicity and stuff on them and um so th- that part i i understand is a little bit of uh it, 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 again i just it's movie magic and, right. and uh it's more dramatic to have him on an old-timey typewriter than it is to have him on a yeah. on a on a MacBook there in that in that creepy right. island. Yeah, um, exactly. That's like, that's like <laughs> oh, let me plug in the you know what's what's her face uh, the the bad guy. Let me plug in the power. You know, like it wouldn't it would not have the same the same effect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if you're good, are you, do you think you're good on that front as far as like the the comparisons between your own person, you know, your personal career and uh you know, what's depicted in the game or is there anything you'd like to expound on that you, else that you noticed? There was one part and it was not even anything I noticed, just a part I, I empathized with. There was sort of a part where he was, he was having a little bit of a crisis about like how much of what is happening is, is because he wrote it, how much of, his ha- of this is happening because of this other being that he's sort of battling with uh, and everything. And uh, he had a little bit of an existential crisis, like a creative crisis almost. And, um, and I think that um, that for myself, there are times where, um, and I'm, I, I know I'm not alone with this, a lot of writers deal with it in different ways where we're so much like kind of up in our heads and so much of our, of our existence is cerebral and in pretend worlds and everything um, that it can be hard sometimes to be present, like with real people in real life and where real things are happening. It's because it, it's, it's so easy to be writing all of the time and thinking and creating all the time. Um, that sometimes it, it can be a struggle to kind of have one foot in, in each world. Um, so there was a point later on in the game where he was struggling with that, that I thought, you know, I, I, I can, I can relate to that because, um, you know, you got to live in the real world, but at the same time, so much of our work is not in the real world and, uh, it can, uh, uh, create some, some odd, uh, mental conflicts, <laughs> uh, cause you want to be present in real life. Yeah. And I think about. It makes it makes total sense why you know a lot of authors totally get depressed and like go to that darker place and you know are, are probably end up whenever they go to that place they write some of their best work and stuff like that because they're totally in that mental state or you know I've I've heard stories I'm not saying that that's how it is but I've I've heard you know people that have to get there or go to that place you know to get that thing um, I could see where you would appreciate that because you know I think about uh, I heard in a interview one time like George R R Martin was talking about how before the first Game of Thrones book came out, he had lived with these characters in his head for 10 years or however long it was, or 12 years. And I think about that all the time. Like whenever someone builds a world, how long did they have to live with those characters inside their head, get to know their personalities and get to know what they're, you know, get to get to know the the dirty side of them and, you know, like both both sides of the character and, and how how mentally exhausting that could be to where, yeah, you could potentially, in a sense, start to lose a grip on reality. I, I could definitely uh see where where that would be a thing you know what i mean and i'm not trying to say like oh i i get it but i think you get i think you get where i'm coming from sure yeah well i'll give you an example and and, and i will say there are I, i'm fortunate in that i 
you know, there's, there's a lot of writers that deal with a lot of self-doubt and like really have to get into this, like this one particular kind of dark headspace to write. That's never been me. Fortunately, I've always uh, felt like, um, like I'm pretty good at this and I enjoy it. And so, uh, and the stuff I write doesn't tend to be overly dark either. So, um, uh, which, which I like because to me that would be exhausting. Uh, but uh, there are other writers that, you know, that's, that's how they work. Um, man, I was going to observe something else and I totally forgot. What the heck? <laughs> I know. I thought you were a professional. Uh, I'm, I'm not. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, is, it, is it totally? Oh, I was going to give you an example. So, of how real things can feel. Um, so the third book in my trilogy, um, you know, there's a lot of big stuff that happens and not everybody makes it through. Um, there was another, uh, there was one character that I had planned for a lot of the trilogy as I was working through it, that was going, uh, was going to be one of the ones that didn't make it through the third book. But the, there was another character whose death scene came first and that was so painful to get through that I literally changed what happened to the other character because I, I couldn't bear the thought of doing it again. Um, and, uh, and it, cause at that point, you know, I had been, I had been writing those characters for three years um, and I knew them well. And, and they, you know, in, in this fantasy world they lived in, in those books, those were, were people. Um, and I missed that one character when they were dead. Um, and so when it came time for this other, other character to check out too, I just literally said, nope, can't do it. So I, I re-outlined the last third of the book uh, to, to go around that. So yeah, it can feel very real. That, that's, uh, thank you for sharing that story. That's awesome. Um, and I, I wish, uh, it's, it's kind of interesting how probably not a lot of creative people, like you say that to someone that's totally just ignorant about what you do or, you know, just the craft, quote unquote. And they probably just look at you like, you're a freak. You know what I mean? Like whatever. But the fact that you can get there creatively is incredibly impressive to me. And it just totally speaks a testament to how, how important writing writing is to any medium and how you can, you can spot a mile away bad writing because they don't, they're so out of touch with their characters. So um, thank you for sharing that story. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, so let's kind of move away from that, you know, unless you have anything else you want to say, I just kind of no, want to good. make sure we added that segment in there. Let's kind of move away and move to kind of the core story idea. Um, basically, you know, Alice and Alan Wake, they're going to this place called, uh, what, what was the name of the town? Night Springs? Cal- well, it was Cauldron Lake. Um, right, Night Cal- Springs was the show. Um, the show. What was the name of the stinking town? I can't remember the name of the town. It was bright, bright falls, bright falls. Yes. Good. Yes. Bright falls. I Okay. Good. You, uh, you started and I finished it free because I'm a freaking coward. (laughs) Um, goes to bright falls. There's this place called cauldron Lake and people are kind of talking about how all these crazy things happen around cauldron Lake. And at one point when you're investigating something, uh, a local says, yeah, that's where they said, you know, like the Cherokees around here said something or rather that, you know, some kind of legend, you know, it's like a Cherokee legend uh, about Cauldron Lake. And it's interesting whenever they get to the lake, uh, they've kind of been swindled. They were supposed to get their, their, their real key to the real place somewhere else from a different person, but they were, uh, Alan is given this key by a mysterious lady in black to go to Cauldron Lake. And long story short, the lights go out, things go dark. There's some killer crows, I think that end up, invading your area and you wake up 
after um, your wife, Alice, is being, being abducted. There's some crazy things that are happening inside the house. She jumps off the, uh, or no, you jump off of the, the deck to, to go after her. You see her, she's being taken by someone. She's in the water. And the next thing you know, you wake up and you have no memory of what's happened. Um, and you're in a crashed car and you're all, you're, you got yeah, a cut on your head. You're all cut up and things are, you know, there's, there's been some things that are happening and or there's been you there's been some things that are that have happened and you're kind of put in the amnesiac uh category at this point and all of all of the 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 manuscript pages that start showing up that kind of tell you what's what's not only happened but what's about to happen um i thought was a really cool way of driving the story forward and kind of getting you in touch with the characters and things like that but long story short at the end of the game you confront the lady in black and uh you find out that she and another person, his name was Thomas Zane. They lived on that lake together and they kind of had like a love triangle going on. And, you know, do you, do you have any, do you have a, do you have a better way to surmise kind of the overall plot? <laughs> so I don't so, give, it's like, it was a weird thing of trying to find a play by play, but you don't want to give a play by play. You know what I mean? Right. Well, Thomas Zane was a writer in the seventies, if I remember. And, he, yeah, he, he was essentially, if I recall, in that same cabin. Um, and these, essentially, you are involved in something that is repeating now that happened in the 70s. What you find out is that this same presence tried to essentially pull itself out of this, whatever, wherever it lives. Um, and it was using Thomas Zane to do it, who was another writer. Um, so it was sort of nudging him in the direction of, of what it wanted him to write. And then the more he wrote, the more it exerted its will over what he was writing. So it's almost like they were, I don't know if you're a Doctor Who, um, if you're a Doctor Who fan, but there was, it was an episode of Doctor Who where they encountered this being that would repeat the things that you were saying verbatim. But then the more you spoke, the faster it would repeat until finally it's talking at the same time until finally it switches to where it is now saying what you were going to say before you said it. And that is how slowly it exerts its control over you. Um, and th this felt similar to me. It was like when, what, as this being was pushing them to create, it was slowly usurping their energy with its own in order to, to pull itself essentially up to full power uh, where it wouldn't need them anymore. Um, but Thomas Zane, what you, you end up finding out, found a way to use what he was writing to essentially banish it back to where it was. But in order to do so, he essentially erased himself from history, erased that whole island from from the middle of the lake uh, and everything. And so he found a way to defeat it, but it also was at the cost of everything that he had. Uh, and so now you're Alan Wake, who's going through the same thing, trying to find a better way to defeat the darkness without losing yourself and everything you love. Yeah. Was because that a, was, he, yeah. That's, that's, that's great. Yeah. And I think uh, at the end of the game, you know, Alan says Zane tried to Zane did not write himself out of existence. He, he tried to have both sides of it and he tried to have, cause he was is that like, what it was. Maybe yeah. I misunderstood. Okay. Yeah. So he was trying to write, um, he was trying to, he was writing about his loved one who ends up being the lady in black. Right. And it's like, Oh, this person that I created, like, that I was writing back into existence. This isn't who I remember it being. And that's what the darkness kind of embodied was that 
the darkness embodied that lady that Thomas Zane had basically created. And to be able to fully get to full power, she was going to use Alan Wake at that point. But it was just kind of okay. like a mirror, you know, like a, a reflection of what uh, the lady, you know, what her actual name was. I can't remember what her name was. But um, it's interesting because Alan is actually one that realizes, oh, I have to write myself out of the picture. Like, so okay, that's, yeah. you know, because then the, the, the island does vanish, but so does Alan. He's stuck in that room at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you, you said you were kind of pissed, you know, about the way the game ends. And if you had played it 10 years ago, you'd kind of been pissed because the, the last words that are uttered, we, we end up finding out that a week has passed in between um, the, the night at, um, the night that Alice was abducted versus whenever you basically start, start playing. And you find out that, there was like a proxy sent in your place called Mr. They call him Mr. Scratch. And mm-hmm. as you're playing the entire game, you're not actually playing as Alan Wake. You're playing as Mr. Scratch who Thomas He's is like your double. Yeah. You're double like your stunt double pretty much. Um, Thomas Zane basically wrote him into existence so that he could kind of play, play the part and get, you know, make everything come full circle. And that kind of, that definitely gets expounded upon, later on in the story uh with the dlc and with you know american nightmare and stuff like that and it kind of begs the question well if alan's gone where's mr scratch like what's happening to mr scratch and that's that that idea has kind of explored a little bit more but we're left with the end of the game alice is safe you know alan did the thing he rode away the darkness and the whole clicker bit you know that's that's its whole other rabbit hole you know uh of, you know to go down we don't really have time to do um <laughs> but basically alan writes himself and he's typing and he's like it's not a lake because they're talking about cauldron lake he says it's not a lake it's an ocean mm-hmm. roll credits 10 years ago it blew my mind because it, to me an ocean it's a bigger body like there's there's more opportunities is what it said you know there's more to the story is basically what i got out of it that's about as the 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 furthest i got with that idea so in your kind of you know summation and, and you know kind of taking everything we've taken into consideration why does the ending of this game not bode well 10 years ago i get burpy you know what i mean <laughs> well i'll tell you why i i find incomplete endings frustrating unless i know something uh, you know it's one thing if you know it's book two of a trilogy or something and uh then you're supposed to be left with questions but at that point when you're i i can only imagine 10 years ago you don't know about anything else that's coming you don't know that 10 years later they're going to put out a game in the same universe and uh you know expand things that ending to me i found kind of unsatisfying because it it reminded me of the end of um 2001 a space odyssey where Mm. you go through all of this and then it just kind of (laughs) ends but you're not really given a real ending to cling on and i um i like things that give me an ending even if it's an ending that i wouldn't have done I think for me, you know, like there's so many ideas that get played with in this game. And I think I, I definitely see the criticism where it's coming for, from you. And I love the ending of 2001 A Space Odyssey because the game lets you kind of come up with your own thoughts. It doesn't tell you this is strictly what this thing is. Um, and they did continue the story. They do continue the direct events and the two DLCs. So Sure, yeah. I was Which like, changes it, definitely. Yeah, um, and I, I mean, I was... I was sad. I, it was one of those things the first time I played, I was like, I want to play this again right now. And then I found out that there was DLC and I was like, holy crap. I, you know, never bought something so fast. You know what I mean? You know, I've always felt, and, and it's just the way that I write that 
if you're going to bother to write a whole story and draw people in, and I'm not saying by I want an ending that I want the story to end, you know, with a total cap on it, but I at least, if things are going to keep going, want to understand why and what's happening. Um, and, and I felt like if you don't at least give the reader or the player or whatever enough to go on so that they can feel like, okay, even if I didn't get all the answers, even if things, things aren't wrapped up with a bow, which I don't need, at least I was given enough to feel like I have a satisfactory bookend, you know, where it's like, I have played a story that by the end of it, I understand enough to have played a full story. Um, even if there are some threads left and I didn't feel that way at the end. Um, I felt like it was that last line of like, my God, it's full of stars. It was, uh, uh, which I found incredibly unsatisfying um, because it doesn't tell you anything. Um, and I feel like at the end, if they had just given us five extra minutes to tell us a little bit of, okay, here's what Alan's doing and why he's doing it. Um, Stay tuned. Yeah. Even like, yeah, here's a little more of what he's doing, why he's doing it. Stay tuned. We're going to show you some more cool but it didn't do that at all it was just a very abrupt ending um and i always feel like if you're gonna write something you should be brave enough to actually choose an ending um or or at least a direction rather than say okay we're just gonna leave it up to the people who are consuming it to decide i don't i don't do i don't like doing that i don't like uh to me it's sort of abandoning the people who have invested all the time uh you know in what you've created for them um and so I, and as soon as it ended, I sat there for a little bit and I thought, okay, what, what would I have implied at the end here? Um, and I don't know if it goes in with what they're doing at all. What I would have implied, which to me would have been satisfying enough is for them to say, okay, Alan is voluntarily now in this room and writing because doing that is what holds this dark creature at bay. And so he's voluntarily you know, in their writing, in this ocean of dark energy and possibility and everything, but he's voluntarily staying there to exert enough control, essentially so that <laughs> control, yeah, essentially so that same thing. <laughs> yeah, essentially so that this creature does not get out again. Um, and I don't know if that if that's ultimately what they were going for, but I I thought okay, if that's what I was going for, if I gave you five extra minutes to show you, okay, this is what he's doing. Is it technically an end to the whole story? No, but it lets you know okay, it's the end of this part of the story and here's what he's doing going forward. I would have been fine with that. Man, you're hitting on so much because I'm like, God. Between the two DLCs, American Nightmare, and I'm assuming what AWE is, I'm like, that's the ending. Like, that's the proper ending. Because if you play the two DLCs and then play American Nightmare, you very much, you get what you're saying right now. You're like, oh, okay, there's there's a close to this. But then with that ending, without spoiling it, it does open up a lot of questions about AWE. It's like, okay, are they saying because X, Y, and Z happened, now this is happening? So you, I'm, I'm telling you, man, like, you gotta. You gotta go okay. back to those two DLCs because you are literally asking all the questions and I'm like, <laughs> you know, like Nathan Fillion, Jeff, for you. So that's all I'm going to say about it. So okay. that's more, home, more, more homework. Do not. I feel better about it than knowing that there's yes, more. Yes, because I think had we just had Alan Wake and not had the two DLCs as well as the arcade game that came afterwards, yeah, I'd be pissed because I'd be like, oh man, like I, I, I like, I like amb- ambiguous ideas that leave you to kind of like make, wrap your brains like, what does this mean? Like, you know, and I, I love 
clear, concise endings for certain things. I feel like it's kind of apropos for this game to end it in such a way as to what it did, but that's just my personal take. It's like, you're so out there with all these different things. It would make sense for you to not have a clear cut. This is what's happening because you know, it's, it it would be, it would kind I don't want to say it would go against the grain because obviously you would have an end to the story, but like to use your words to have kind of a stinger at the end, this is just a very amplified, ambiguous stinger at the end of this game that the DLC does a good job of kind of following up. So, yeah, and I'm fine with some ambiguity. You know, I don't have to have, especially you're right with this kind of story, I don't have to have every single thread totally explained as long as I feel like I've played a full story, totally. you know, um, uh, and a story that has an ending, even if it's not the end to everything uh, in the story. Um, and so, yeah, I'll, I'll check out the DLC because I don't feel like the core game gives you that, honestly. No, it doesn't. Um, even though I enjoyed kind of the progression of the story, I. I do feel like it, it, it leaves you hanging too much. Yeah, that's, that's a fair, that is a fair critique. And I think that's, that's what a lot of people had without realizing that there was going to be more to the story. So there you have it. Is there anything that we really skated over that we missed that we could bring out, you know, bring to the table, um, you know, right now that anything that I, I missed, cause we're, we're pushing an hour 10 right now, you know, and I, I think I've run out of things to, to say. So I'm going to throw it over to you. Is there anything that you wanted to bring out that we didn't cover already? You know, I think we deconstructed it pretty well. Yeah, I did too. I, I'm, I'm proud of myself. Like you and I, <laughs> like we just, it's just, it's so, it was the second time we podcasted together. And this is probably the, you know, some of the best content that I've put out to date. So, you know, thank you for, for making it so easy. And it's, it's oh, nice yeah. to be able to have people that, that, that enjoy talking. Um, so, and we had, Absolutely. man, we had people watching the whole time, watching the stream. It really means a lot. You guys, we really appreciate it. Um, thank you for stopping by. We, we seriously appreciate it. But Ryan, I want to, I want to throw it to you. Where can people find your work? Where, where can they find you? Like, do you want people to find you on Twitter? Like that whole deal before we kind of do the wrap up? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, at I, Ryan Dalton, the, the letter I Ryan Dalton, uh, on Twitter, uh, at Ryan Dalton, uh, on Instagram, um, you can find my books, uh, the time shift trilogy, um, pretty much anywhere, um, books are sold. Uh, if they don't have them in stock, they can order them for you. Um, it's a, uh, it's a series of time travel mysteries. There's three of them. Um, I think they're pretty cool if I do say so myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's kind of what we talked about each, each story. Um, it is a trilogy, but it is, it, it's not just like one villain for the whole thing. It's three distinct stories, three distinct ch- challenges, uh, but that all still contribute, you know, build and contribute to to a unified ending uh, at the end. So, um, uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. My my next book isn't out for a little while, so that's what you got. And um, anyone can feel free to reach out to me uh, online. I'm happy to talk to you. There you go. There you have it. Spoken from the man himself. We uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in. It really means a lot. As you know, you can find us at wannabecritic.com. You can find us on our various podcast feeds. Yeah, Game Club, Storytime, a Star Wars podcast. Um, you know, this podcast, obviously, A Guy and His Wife, where me and my lovely wife, we review MCU movies in a similar fashion. Um, it would really mean the world if you, go, if you would go... Uh, you know, let us know how we're doing. Give us a, a rating on podcast services. Go subscribe to us on YouTube if you haven't already, because the nicer version of, you know, the better quality version is going to be posted there. You can also find me on my personal YouTube channel at the wannabe critic. 
Um, so thank you so much for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. We appreciate it. Thank you for stopping by and thank you for preparing yourselves for a plethora of hot takes and potentially unpopular opinions. Say goodbye, Ryan. Goodbye, Ryan. Well, once again, thank you so much for showing up today. I really, really appreciate it. Um, again, if this is your first time here, consider subscribing. I know that's the thing that all the YouTubers do. They're, everyone's asking to sub. The fact of the matter is, is that it doesn't cost you anything to subscribe. And who knows, you might even see a video every now and then that you actually like or maybe interested in. Not only that, I do a bunch of stuff, so make sure you check all the information down in the description down below. We got podcasts, we got Let's Plays, we got all kinds of stuff for all kinds of fandoms. So make sure you check that out. I would seriously, seriously appreciate it, and I would love to see you around here more. I am Gabriel Fast. I will always be the wannabe critic. <laughs>